Number, we'll use number 26 as our opening number this morning. Best congregation stand with us. <coughs> Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song and song by see each one of you this morning. Good to be here. We trust that the Lord has, uh, well, he's already blessed me in the song service and hopefully he'll continue to bless as we enter into the preaching part of the service. Uh, Open my scriptures this morning as I was reading some and I was reading in the eighth chapter of the book of John and you know, uh, Jesus, when he was here preaching his glorious gospel, the, there was uh, the religious elite of the day questioned really uh, his legitimacy. They did not understand or believe that Jesus was literally the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ that was to come. And they were not convinced of that. And so they began to question Jesus as to who he was, and you know, uh, I can't read the whole chapter, you read that eighth chapter of um, John, but uh, he, Jesus 
uh, in his perfect way uh, that he would answer those uh, questions that was put before him. Uh, he answered, uh, you know, when he when he told them who he was and told them that uh, in that chapter, if you are able, they claimed to be that they knew that they were Abraham's seed and they were descendants of Abraham and 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 as if that would make them the children of God, Jesus said to them, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. And and they said, well, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. <clears throat> If you truly were Abraham's seed, as you claim to be, and truly the children of God, you would do whatever. What was Abraham so, why is he so often used in the New Testament scriptures? What's Abraham the basis of? Well, faith. I believe Abraham had faith. You know, uh, he, he was, in my opinion, as I read in the Old Testament scriptures, I can't think of any instant uh, uh, that would require more faith than what Abraham was required to do or asked to do of the Lord. And you remember what that was. You go back over in in the Old Testament Scriptures and read Abraham. uh, You know, God told him to go up onto the mount and to offer up his son Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice. I just can't, in my mind, I can't imagine how that, you know, as he as he drew the knife, actually, to slay his own son uh, there on the altar, uh, and the angel, of course, stopped him. It, it was not to, God didn't do that to, to understand, uh, if, if not knowing what Abraham would do, I guess what I'm trying to say. But I believe that was an instance for Abraham's benefit in his own life that God showed to Abraham and proved to Abraham by that act that he was faithful. And when we look back and see that, we see the faith of Abraham and it exceeds anything in my mind that I can imagine. But Abraham, by faith, saw something. And that's the important part of that whole lesson back there. And Jesus says to the, to these Pharisees in here in John that it uh, was questioning his legitimacy, <clears throat> said to them, well, and they put so much emphasis on their being descendants of Abraham and even claimed him as their father. And he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it. How did Abraham see the day of Christ? Well, by faith, he saw that. He says he saw it and was glad. In that uh, incident that happened with Isaac, uh, you know, when when Abraham, uh, when God, uh, Abraham had said to Isaac, God will provide himself an offering, a burnt offering. Now that could be, Took, taken literally, he did provide the lamb or the ram caught in the thicket. But the bigger picture is he provided Christ 
as the final uh, only offering that would take away sin. Abraham saw that and rejoiced in, in the fact that the ram took the place of Isaac, his son. Do you know Jesus took our place? When justice was meted out on the cross of Calvary, Jesus stood and uh, hung there in our place, condemned uh, and suffered the consequences of what we would have to suffer uh, by the condemnation of sin in our lives. But Jesus took our place. There's what Abraham saw. The ram caught in the thicket was the substitute for Isaac. And that uh, lamb that was slain on Calvary's cross was the substitute for each and every one of us uh, that would take away the sin of the world. So Abraham saw something. He saw that coming time when Christ would come and take away the sin of the world. I'll try to lead us in a word of prayer. I hope this don't interfere with your thoughts, Brother Dave. <clears throat> You'll bow with me. Heavenly Father, as we bow this morning, we come, Lord, with thankful hearts to know that you came and went to that cruel cross of Calvary in our place and suffered the justice that was to be meted out uh, each and every one that was condemned by sin. We know, Lord, that you paid all the debt that we know. You paid everything and nothing left for us to pay. So, Lord, we're thankful for the doctrines of grace, that you've been merciful and gracious to us. Lord, we thank you for revealing to our minds these wonderful truths that we might have the comfort and joy of the gospel of knowing what the truth is. And we just thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us in this way. We pray this morning, Lord, for all my ministry servants, wherever they might be, especially, Lord, we remember Brother Houston this morning as he preached to Lord Benny Grove. Pray, Lord, you bless him too. Uh, just preach with power and demonstration of the Spirit and the hearts of the people will be filled. Lord, we ask for him. We ask for Brother David here this morning and all across this land where thy ministry servants stand to preach the gospel. Lord, we pray that you be preached in truth and power and demonstration of the Spirit. Give us where we fail, Lord, we ask you to be with those that are sick and in need and uh, all of us have asking interesting prayers, many that we know that have not even been mentioned, but Lord, we know you know all of our needs. Mm-hmm. We just thank you that you're such an amazing, great, wonderful God that <clears throat> hears and knows the needs of all of our children in all places in the world. Forgive us where we fail. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate that. Do appreciate the thoughts by way of introduction this morning. I, I think they are very well in line with what I have on my mind as well. I do ask that you would just please continue to pray for me. Um, I'm going to try to take my text this morning from the first or possibly the second chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, so you can go ahead and turn there, but I think what has been introduced this morning is already in line with what I have on my mind, and so I'm going to 
maybe continue to share some thoughts from that. Um, last week, um, it was Easter last week, right? Last week was Easter, and we, we did our best to preach on the resurrection, and we were preaching from this 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and as Paul sort of gets down to what I call the brass tacks of why he, why he makes the effort uh, that he does to preach the gospel, why he goes through uh, what he goes through to preach the gospel. You remember he introduced this particular chapter with the gospel, and he says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, how that he was buried, and that on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures. Now that, my friends, is the gospel. But why does Paul labor so much in the gospel if, it's, if that's all it is? Well, he, he said he did so because of the gospel, because of the end results of the gospel, because the gospel, because Christ rose, he had the hope, the faith, um, the, the, the vision that, that he would rise too. He says in um, the 30th verse there of this 15th chapter, he says, and why stand we in jeopardy every hour? Why would I go through the things that I go through um, just to preach the gospel if there was nothing to it? Why would I spend the time uh, laboring and then suffering for my labors, suffering for, for, for preaching the gospel? And, and he talks about in other places, the many things that he suffered that he went through. Um, but he says, um, he says, uh, verse 31, he says, I pr- protest by your rejoicing, uh, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. That's the example he gave us. Remember the example he gave in, in Romans chapter eight and the eighth chapter. He says, you know, though we, we, um, how's he put it? I can't. Sometimes it just gets so much in my head, I can't get it out quick enough. Um, he says, how does he put it? He just share the right words because I don't want to mess it up. He says, uh, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says, for I'm persuaded that neither death, and there's the very first, there's the main one, neither death. Death's not going to separate me from the love of God, from the love of Christ. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I predest by your rejoicing, he says, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I died daily. He says, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me <laughs> if the dead rise not? What what advantage did I have stepping into that uh, uh, arena? And I, you know, we don't have any uh, historical evidence other than this, and I don't need any other historical evidence that Paul stepped into that arena and he faced lions. He faced them. He says, "What advantage did I have if if I knew I wasn't going to rise again?" Well, you see, that's the same thing that Abraham felt. That's the same thing that Abraham saw. Let me just read a, just a verse or two from. Uh, Genesis chapter 22, God tests Abraham there. God tested him, not so that God could see uh, what it was that Abraham believed, but so that Abraham could see what it was that Abraham believed. And brothers and sisters, that is why we preach the gospel. That is why we continually preach the gospel so that each of God's children might have that same hope, have that same vision and see what it was uh, that Abraham saw, what it was that the apostle Paul saw. 
Well, because the gospel is worth it. You know, as, as Jesus was standing there in the uh, that eighth chapter of, of John's gospel, and he was talking to those Jews, and he says, listen, if you, if you really were Abraham's children, well, you would do, you would do the work of, of Abraham. That song we sung, <clears throat> was it 26? 26. Prone to wonder. Oh, oh my goodness. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why do we preach the gospel so often? Why do we put so much emphasis on the gospel and on the doctrines? Well, we do so because we are prone to wonder. Because we are so quick to forget what it is the Lord has done. And we're so quick to lose faith in what he is able to do. When when Abraham was um, going out to... to he had been instructed by God. He said, I want you to take uh, Isaac, your only son, and I want you to offer him on the altar. As he was going out there, it's, I think it's, uh, let's see, about verse. <clears throat> let me get, let me start at verse. Um, I'll start at verse three. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled his ass and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he claved the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up and he went unto the place which the Lord God had told him. And you know what he's about to do. We all know the story. He's about to go up on this high place and where that altar is, and he's going to lay his son, the son in whom God had promised that through your seed, and Isaac was the chosen seed and he knew it, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And, and, and here he goes. How, is, how in the world is he going to be blessed if he goes up there and he slays him on the altar? How? Well, listen. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He, he saddled his ass. He took the two young men with him and, and Isaac, his son. And he claved the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and he went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And, he, and Abraham said unto his young men, and here's what I want right here. You abide here with the asses. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And come again to you. He didn't know how, and he didn't have to know how. He just knew that if he went up there and he slew his son as he was instructed to by God, that God would give him right back to him. He had a hope in the resurrection. <laughs> he saw the resurrection afar off, and, and, and the Lord, even before he did, the Lord told him, don't do it. <laughs> he says, I just wanted you to see it. Now, that's not really what he said, but that's what it was all about. He wanted him to see. He wanted him to see what it, what faith was all about. He wanted him to see uh, that his faith could be uh, founded on the solid rock and not on some uh, sinking sand of the gospel, <laughs> of the false gospel. We talk about the gospel um, so much. We talk about the gospel, and we do so because it, it, it's so important. But now the gospel is the gospel is is that when I introduce when I began the introduction to this topic I started with the gospel that the gospel is just that 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 God Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the scriptures that is the gospel. Now when when the Lord was uh, commissioning His apostles to go and begin uh, this process of teaching all all nations. 
Matthew 28, at the end of that, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Now, why did he want want them to teach all things and not just the gospel? Well, he did so because... Because that's the works of Abraham. Okay, that's that that's the kind of things that we ought to be about. Now, the gospel assures us, the gospel assures us that that the Lord knows who His children are. A good example of that is is after the this issue with that Paul uh, was had told Timothy about. Paul told Timothy about these brethren who had begun to teach these false things and they had overthrown the faith of some. Now what they had overthrown there was their faith. Uh, their hope. These brethren that got their hope overthrown, they didn't have a hope anymore. They didn't lose their eternal salvation, but they over they had their, their hope overthrown because they, well, they, they may have heard the gospel, but they had been convinced of something else. Um, he says in Second uh, Timothy, now, if y'all just bear with me, I hope all these things will eventually come together and make sense to you. I hope they do. Uh, he says, um, who concerning the truth of Eric talking about, well, let me just get the whole thing here, get the big picture. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And y'all know what subverting means. It means to overthrow. It means to, to, to pull the rug out from under you. They say, you're standing on the gospel. Okay? And we are old Baptists. And Sister Helen, when she showed up this morning, said she wanted to hear some hard shell preaching. And I don't know any harder shell preaching than the fact that God, Matthew one twenty one, right there. There's the hardest shell in the Bible. That she shall bring forth the son, she shall call, they shall, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, did, did you hear that? Did you hear what Jesus shall do? He shall save his people from their sins. He shall. Now, now those, those brothers and sisters standing there, uh, listening to Jesus there in John, the eighth chapter of John. Now, I don't know how many of them were in that shall and how many of them were not in that shall. That's none of my business. But I, I figure some of them that were uh, acting like hooligans were probably in that shell. Because I, I look in the mirror oftentimes and I see a man that acts like a hooligan a lot. And I, I and some days I wonder. And some days I'm real confident that that man is in that shell too. But you see, that's the thing about it. He shall save his people from their sins. There's no harder shell than that. Listen to what he says here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, we need to get all the doctrine. We don't just need to understand the shout. He shall save his people from their sins, but that shall not give you an excuse to go out and live like the devil every other day of the week, okay? Shall, that should give us confidence, just like that shall that, that Abraham was confident of. He shall return Isaac to me. It doesn't matter how. I just know he's going to. Because he told me that in in me and in my seed, all the nations of the world were going to be blessed. I believe it. And I'm going to just do what God said do. Well, for us as God's children, if, if, if we begin to get confused about what this is, about what the gospel is for and what the gospel does to us, we might shall get our business all messed up and begin to live in a way that we shouldn't. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says, but shun profane and vain babblings. They'll just increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth, have erred, saying the resurrection is past already. And they overthrew the faith, overthrow and overthrow the faith of some. So because they had their faith overthrown, they lost their hope in what it was that the Lord has done for them, and they're going to live in a miserable condition. We don't want to live in a miserable condition. When you're living in a miserable condition, you end up like those people uh, listening to Jesus that day, and you're not, you end up not behaving in a way um, that is in accordance with the way Abraham would have. You stop behaving in a way where you're not, you, you begin to live like you don't, like you're not living by faith. Nevertheless, Paul says, listen, even regardless of that, regardless of the fact that, that they've got it all messed up, he says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. The Lord knows them that are his. And, and listen to what he says, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You see, we need to be... So, so much of the world today, I think, is focused on preaching the gospel. I think there's a huge number of people in this world today focused on preaching the gospel. As a matter of fact, I think the vast majority of the religious world today is focused on preaching, maybe we should say, a gospel. Now, their gospel sounds a whole lot like the gospel that I preach. It sounds very similar. It's got almost all the same aspects to it. But it's preached for the wrong reason. Now, I don't, I don't know why most people preach. I, I don't, I can't even begin to know why most people preach. I just, I just know, I just know when I look out into the world and I hear the gospel preached, and I hear, and, and it sounds good. So often it sounds good. Until they get right to the end and they say, all you've got to do to make it effective is just fill in the blank. All you've got to do to make it effective is just fill in the blank. But Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul, I think it's Acts chapter 20, is he's traveling, he's on his way back to um, Jerusalem. He says, he says this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 20, verse 26, beginning, he says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Now, if you want to know what that means, um, you need to go back to the book of Ezekiel, I think about the third chapter and read there, to find out what it means that where Paul is saying he's pure from the blood of all men. <laughs> that means that he, he got up on the tower and he cried out the warning, <laughs> all the warnings. He, he, he let them know everything that he was instructed to tell them. Uh, for I have not, and, and, he, and this is the answer, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He says, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, sparing not the flock. Also of your own selves, men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember 
by the space of about three years, I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. We have to labor day in and day out. Now, Paul's motivation for laboring was the same as Abraham's. Okay? But because we are so prone to wonder, because we are so prone to leave off the things that God has instructed us to do, we need to be sure that we understand what it is that we ought to be about. Back there in that 8th chapter. I'm going to get to 1 Corinthians in just a minute. Back there in that 8th chapter of John's Gospel. I think this is the, the big difference. Here's the big difference. You see, the pre, much of the world, and I'm going to say most of the world, when they preach the gospel, they're preaching the gospel for one reason and one reason only, and that's to save people. Now, there's saving in the gospel. Don't get me wrong. There is saving in the gospel. But it's not the kind of saving that most of the world thinks is in the gospel. The saving that's in the gospel, you can find it, you can find it here in this eighth chapter of John. I'll just back up from where Brother Eddie was to the 31st verse. It says, Then Jesus said unto those Jews which believed on him, If, see here's a conditional saving that's in the gospel. Okay, I, I keep using the word gospel. Oftentimes we confuse, we think preaching the gospel is all the doctrine. <laughs> but it's not. You see, we, we preach that our foundation stone is the gospel. Okay, but all the doctrines, we ought to be teaching all things whatsoever I have commanded. All the doctrines of God, all the things that, that God has taught us through the scripture about Jesus Christ, about what Jesus Christ has done, about how he has instructed us to live as his people. All of those things are, they're, they're his commandments. They're the things that we ought to be about. Now, the gospel is the foundation of that. I mean, if we don't have that, if we don't stand firm on that gospel foundation, we'll slip off and begin to behave in ways that, that aren't in line with this. Because you see, the gospel, beginning at the gospel and then building the, your foundation upon that, you know, remember that uh, parable he taught about the man who built his house on uh, sinking sand? You remember what happened? The, 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 the rains came, the wind came, and, and great was the fall, he says, of that house. But that man who built his house on the solid rock, well, his house stood. His house stood. You know, just like the Apostle Paul. Why would I go through the things that I go through if there wasn't, if, if I wasn't certain of that, that foundation? Why would Abraham go up that mountain carrying his son fully intent on offering him as a sacrifice if he wasn't fully convinced that God would restore him to him? There's our foundation. The problem is much of the world wants to has got the wrong foundation. You see, they began with the gospel. They began with a gospel message that sounds a lot like the gospel that you will, will hear here. It sounds a lot like it because they use the same names and the same events. But the problem is, is the outcome. 
the outcome of, of what their gospel preaching results in is totally different. The outcome of what their gospel preaching results in, um, Jesus calls discipleship. So we, we want to make disciples, but most of the world is intent on making sheep. Most of the world is intent on making sheep. We can't make sheep. You, you don't make sheep. You make disciples. Then said Jesus unto the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's a saving in the gospel. Being set free uh, by the truth. So much of the world spends their time uh, trying to make sheep, and they can't. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start at uh, I'm going to start at about verse I'm going to start at verse 17. That's a good place. Verse 17. The emphasis is on preaching the gospel. Okay, there is an emphasis on preaching the gospel here. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul has an emphasis here. Paul's emphasis is on preaching the gospel. Paul, you have to remember what it is Paul is doing. Paul is going, uh, Paul is, Paul is a missionary. And he's wanting to lay the proper foundation. Paul's wanting to lay the proper foundation for these folks. But unlike what we see in the world today when the gospel is presented or the gospel is preached, the gospel is presented as an offer. The gospel is presented as an opportunity. Okay? This is an opportunity for you to have eternal life. Paul also said here that the, the emphasis is not on even on baptism. My emphasis is not on baptism. That's not where eternal life is found. The gospel is where eternal life is found. He says, for the preaching of the cross. Now, why is, okay, let me, let's make sure we, we cover what's in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, that is, not with, um, this is not a, a man-made gospel. This is a gospel that, that only falls on the kind of ears that it's useful home. I'm not just t giving you uh, words, fancy words that you'll understand. I'm not giving you a sales pitch. This is not a sales pitch. This is not to, to, to tickle your ears and to make you feel good about yourself. But it's a gospel from God. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. If, if, my, if, if it was my preaching that that made the difference, then there was no reason for Christ to die. If I could make a difference through just preaching, there would be no reason for Christ to have died. But the, but, the, but the point that Paul wants to get across is what it is the gospel has accomplished. Now, listen to what he says about it. Verse 18. He says, For the preaching of the cross, now that's the gospel. That is... Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the preaching of the, car, of the cross. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. N notice, notice who it is foolishness to. 
them that perish. The perishing, when they hear the gospel, they find it foolish. Now, that's not the only ones that find the gospel foolish oftentimes. There's a lot of times when, when I don't have any doubt that God's children often find the gospel, find gospel preaching foolishness. They often do. But this is talking about a specific kind of foolishness for a specific kind of group, and that particular group is a group that he says is perishing. Now, there's one thing we can say for sure about God's children. Back there in that uh, little bit past that uh, eighth chapter of John's gospel, Jesus is continuing to, to talk up to those um, those um, Pharisees, I suppose, those who I think he was talking to who were not Abraham's children. Chapter 10, verse 25, beginning. I told you and you believe not the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me. You believe not because you were not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Uh oh. Well, now, if we just put that in the model of today's uh, concept of preaching the gospel, all we have to do is preach the gospel to these folks and they would they would have equal opportunity to accept it and to become a sheep. But the problem is they're not sheep and they don't want what sheep want. But you believe not because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep, listen to what they do. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Which ones? All of my sheep. You go on back to the John, the sixth chapter of John, uh, I guess about six, verse 37. He says, and all, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He says, for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which he hath, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose none, but raise it up again the last day. All of those are the sheep. All of those are the ones described there in Matthew 1 and 21, when, when the angel speaking to Joseph and says, she shall bring forth a son, they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall do it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give. What do I do with them? I give unto them eternal life. Do I make them able to receive eternal life? No. I give them eternal life. Do, do I offer them eternal life? No, I give them eternal life. Foundation, my friends, that's the foundation. So often the world wants you to think that it's a sales pitch. That, that I'm, I, 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 if you just, if you just will, if you just will believe, you know what believing is a sign of? Believing is a sign that you are already a child of God. Uh, what is it? John, first John five, one. Is that it? Is that what I'm thinking about? Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Evidence, my friends, evidence. You see, there's our foundation. There's, and see, when I, 
Because we are prone to wander, because we are prone to stray, because we have, we are oftentimes forgetful. We need to rehearse these things over and over and over so that we don't, so that we can stand there with faithful Abraham, so that when the trials and tribulations of life begin to descend upon us, we have something to stand on. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Who are the folks being spoken of here in 1 Corinthians? Those who find the preaching of the cross foolishness. Well, now again, there's a lot of people that find it foolish, but this is a very specific group of people who find it foolish, and it's the people who are perishing. Guess who they are not? They're not God's children. Because God's children never perish. God's children never perish. He says, for the preaching of the cross is, the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, present tense, already, already in possession of this. Unto us which are saved, that is the power of God. Uh, there are so many times that I hear a good gospel sermon. I've heard one so many times, so often, a gospel message preached, a gospel message that made the declaration that that uh, there is nothing you can do to save yourself. Absolutely nothing. Because you are in a state of trespasses and sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross to save your sins. He was buried. <laughs> And that he rose again the third day to save your sins. And then when all of that is said, the man comes back and says, and it can be applied to you if you'll just believe it. There is a type of person being described here in this first part of 1 Corinthians that will not believe it. Because he is not, not that he won't believe it. He is unable to believe it. He's unable to believe it. Let me go back to that uh, eighth chapter of, of John's gospel just real quick. That eighth chapter of John's gospel. Brother Eddie spoke of that 39th verse there. He says, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Well, what are the works of Abraham? Well, they are all of the things that God has for his people. It is to live by faith. The just shall live by faith, he tells us over and over. Uh, the, the works of Abraham are simply that, to live in a way that says you trust in what God has done for you. Not in what I have done for myself. Now listen to what he says about uh, these folks. I'm going to skip down to the 42nd verse, I think. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? He asks a question. Do you think he's speaking some foreign language? Jesus Christ standing here, he's speaking to these men. He, he's speaking to them. This is Jesus speaking. This is not 
not the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter. Uh, it's not uh, one of the great preachers of our day. You know, it's not Martin Luther or John Calvin or, or Billy Graham. But Jesus Himself. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. Cannot. Do you hear what he said about their ability? Not will not, not refuse to do so, but cannot. Back a few chapters, as he is talking to those people, he, you know, he just told them about what all of his people would do, and ultimately uh, they all would for sure. He says, listen, murmur not amongst yourselves. This is uh, John chapter 6, verse 43. No man can come to me. Not no man will not come to me. Or no man will come to me because he's not convinced. Or until he's convinced. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up again to the last day if he'll just be convinced. No, absolutely not. You see, now there is the difference, my friends, in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel founded on the faith of Abraham, the gospel that says, I will finish my work regardless of whether or not it makes sense to you or not. You think Abraham understood how he would get Isaac back when he was headed up that mountain? No. He didn't need to. Because he trusted, he trusted the one he was going up to make a sacrifice to. Brothers and sisters, that's the foundation of the gospel. And that's what leads to what he spoke about there in that beginning of that eighth chapter, discipleship. You see, you can't be a disciple without being a believer. And you can't be, you can't be a believer unless God makes you one. Back to this uh, chapter here. A lot of things here between um, proceeding to the rest of the, that first chapter. I'm going to skip down to just a few verses here in the second chapter because I know because they're just so much more plain and they they tell us they tell us the process. Again, I, I just want to emphasize the difference today of the gospel. The gospel that we preach, the gospel that says, and he shall save his people from their sins, that, that's where you can place your faith and your trust. You can have confidence in that versus the gospel that the word preaches. That is, if, if you'll just believe it, then it can be applicable to you. Paul began talking about what he was called to do. He was called to preach and he preached for a reason he preached because he believed it so that's what he got to there at the end of that uh, uh, 15th chapter of 1st Corinthians he preached because he believed it he preached because he had faith in the one who had called him to preach he talks about this same kind of thing here in the in this second chapter of 1st Corinthians I'm going to pick up at the sixth verse Howbeit we speak among them that are perfect Yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. 
even the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Paul is saying it doesn't matter how much learning you have. You don't you can't even begin to understand what it is that God is is going to do for you and capable of doing for you. But you don't have to understand it. I mean, that's that that's the. That's why he calls it the mystery. That's why he calls it the mystery of the gospel. But here's what we can understand. We can understand how the process works. What was the evidence that, that John that I read just a few minutes ago from John? First John five one. First John five one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? You're born of God. It's just evidence. It's just evidence. But what about those folks that are perishing? What about them? Do they have the opportunity to believe? Well, if they're perishing, they must not be in God's hands because God's children never perish. Now, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time this morning emphasizing that there are people that are perishing. I mean, I, we have to. Just... It's good for God's children to know what they were rescued from every now and then. It's good to be reminded that we were rescued from something. What were we rescued from? Well, we were rescued from eternal punishment, a place of eternal punishment. And, and the way we think, oftentimes we, we get sort of revolted at the idea that, that God wouldn't extend that same courtesy to everyone. But brothers and sisters, we forget who He is. We forget that He, he is the ultimate Creator. <laughs> he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is He that meets out justice and it's all just. And if a man gets something, he gets what he deserves. And if a man doesn't get what he deserves, it's called grace. Paul gives us the distinction, the difference between the people that are perishing and the people that are not. And he gives us the reason why this concept of preaching the gospel to make God's children is so ridiculous. Again, I want to preach the gospel. I have a great desire to preach the gospel. But I'm only, I'm really only interested in preaching the gospel to those people who are interested in hearing. I mean, if you don't want to hear, I don't want to make you hear. And I know there are God's children all over this world who just, they've, read the parable of the sowers. Read the parable of the sower. There's God's children all over this world who have allowed the world to just consume them. And, and, and they're, Perishing in time. They're not perishing eternally. Listen to what he says about the difference. Here's the difference. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit. 
by his spirit. That's how God, how do you put it over there in uh, that sixth chapter of John? He says, um, no man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be all who all of God's children, all those he draws and they shall all be taught of God. So every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. How many of them? All of them. Every man. Every man. Now that means woman too. Every person that hath learned of God comes to God. Everyone does. You can have the confidence in knowing that none will slip through the cracks. It doesn't matter uh, how uh, far away they are. It doesn't matter how many false things they've heard their whole life. It doesn't matter how much confusing teaching they've been taught. It doesn't matter if their faith has been overthrown. If they've been taught of God, that is, in this sense, if God has given them this newness of life, if God has made them a new creature... If God loved them before time began, they'll come. Now, they might not come in this life. They might not come in this time sense. They might not, might not come in a way that, that outwardly says to everybody else, hey, I'm the best Christian I can possibly be. But you know where they'll come? They'll all come to heaven. They'll all be with Him forever in eternity. All of them. Again, I don't want to focus on the fact that there are those that don't. don't want to focus on that too much, but I mean, there are those that don't. I don't know how many. I don't know how few. Now, the Scripture never calls them many, okay? Now, the Scripture does call God's children many. Oftentimes many. He says, out of every nation, out of, notice, out of. That doesn't mean everybody in exclusively. It means almost everybody or out of. Out of every nation and kindred and people and tongue. He says uh, that Jesus Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. Again, I don't know how many. I just know there are many. God's children are many. Numerous. Numerous. I don't know how many or not. I figure it's a few. But, but here, here's the description. But God has revealed, here's how God reveals things. We can't see it with our natural eye. We can't hear it with our natural ear. I mean, that's just like when he's standing there uh, talking to those uh, Pharisees. Now, why can you not understand my speech? Even because you can't hear my words. Not, not that they couldn't hear, not that they were deaf, and not that actually having uh, uh, physical ears makes any difference whatsoever uh, in whether or not you can become a child of God. The difference is, when God speaks to you. Not to these ears. Not to be able to see with these eyes. But in here. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? The, the, the what Paul is saying there, what he's asking is, what kind of things do you as a natural man understand? Well, you as a natural man only understand natural things because that's all you're capable of understanding as a natural man. So when spiritual things come upon you, if you are a natural man, when spiritual things come upon you, they seem foolish. Because you don't understand them. I mean, it's, it's 
would be like Brother Hal coming up to me and speaking to me in Korean. <laughs> I couldn't understand that. Couldn't understand it at all. Don't have the capacity. But when God speaks, God doesn't speak to the ears that require natural hearing. <laughs> he doesn't speak to the mind that requires a natural interpretation. And you see, when you talk to the world, when you, when you listen to what the world says, uh, they use a lot of the same terms that we use. They, they talk in a lot of the same ways that we talk. But brothers and sisters, they are talking about something completely different. The scripture tells us, for what does a man know except for manly things? Human things. Well, even so, he says here, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. How do we know? How do we understand godly things? By the Spirit of God within us. By the Spirit of God within us. Now, verse, let me just read these next few verses just to get them out because the, the, the teaching is so plain. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world. We already had that. We had that. We were born into that. It's just something that we just were born with. We're natural people. We have natural life. We're born naturally. And when we're born naturally, we have all the things that go along with natural life. He says, now we have not received the, the Spirit, of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? Why do we receive that? That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Is salvation something that requires effort on your part? Is eternal salvation something that requires us to make a conscious decision about? Do we have, and, and again, that's the world's concept of preaching the gospel. Let me preach the gospel to you. Let me reason with you. And then you come to a conclusion that you need this. Because without you coming to that conclusion, you'll just miss it. Romans chapter 5. I think that's what I want. No, I want Romans 3. He says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. No difference in who? Now you see, the world uses this same teaching. The world uses this same teaching as part of what they call the Roman road to salvation. And if you'll just get to the point where you're convinced that you're a sinner, then maybe you can take the next step and be convinced that you need God. Now at the beginning of that whole process, they told me there wasn't anything I could do to save myself. This is confusing. <laughs> you're absolutely right, it's confusing. It's because they didn't read the verse. The verse is telling us that there's no difference in any of us. Any who. Any of the believers. There's no difference in anybody that believes in God. All of them are deserving of hell. That's basically what it says. Every single one of the believers in God are deserving of eternal punishment. Why? Because they have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what they all have in common. They all have that one thing in common. We all, every single one of us, have that thing in common. We are deserving of eternal punishment. But the gospel is, the true gospel is, we were justified freely by His grace. That's what it says. Being justified freely by His grace 
through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, it doesn't say a thing in there about you having to believe it just to make it effective. Whether you believe it or not, it's effective. That's the whole point. And that's the point that this text is making to us is that you can't believe it to make it effective because what? Something's required before you can believe it. What is it? The natural man. Verse 14 in our text, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You can't preach it enough to him. You can't convince him enough. You can't make him believe it. Why? Because if he's a natural man, he receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. You've got to have the Spirit already. I, I don't know what this was for this morning other than the fact that be encouraged. Be encouraged by the gospel, the foundation stone. And if you are, if you can stand on that foundation stone with the Apostle Paul, if you can stand on that foundation stone with, with Father Abraham, you can go forward in faith. You might not know how, you might not know why, but you can trust the one who is in control. May the Lord bless us to remember that's my prayer.